Hi, welcome to Bipolar Bicoastal. I'm Anna. And I'm Maria. We're twins living on opposite coasts. Here to talk about navigating life while bipolar. Hi, Mia. Hi, Nanners. How are you? I'm good. I, um, it's the weekend of the 4th of July, Mm -hmm. so I had a day off on Saturday. Didn't celebrate, don't worry. Thank fucking God. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I remember last year just saying very offhandedly that the 4th of July is racist and then not really being able to back up why I think that. (laughs) And... And I feel like now I have a much better retort when I say those things. Hey, because, Anna, why is the 4th yeah. of July racist? Thank you so much, Mia, for saying that. Um, mm-hmm. It's at least in part because um, it was independence only for white property men, not for mm. black people, indigenous uh-huh. people, people of color, as well as... Uh, women, if you want to include that, but mostly there was still enslaved people on U.S. soil, so. There sure was. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. It's a great retort. Thank you so much. (laughs) Does it make you embarrassed how many summers we celebrated the 4th at camp? Honestly, those poor kids were stuck at camp (laughs) on a day off. it it actually is really... (laughs) forward thinking that management didn't give us that day off or holiday pay yeah that was really (laughs) really cool definitely not because it was a bunch of um young people working there who didn't know to ask for more yeah or when asking for more received nothing none none more (laughs) none more yeah yeah you know i I stand by the by the british being bad and but just also the Americans are bad. You know what they had in common? These people who w- raged, waged war against each other? Uh, what? They, they were white. Yeah. I was like, I can think of a few things. <laughs> yeah, in fact, Hamilton. the British people weren't enslaving people at that point, so maybe not the bad guys. You know, history only time will tell. Yeah, it hasn't been Everyone time. go listen to sixteen nineteen, the podcast done by, I believe, the New York Times about the slave trade in America. And oh, jeez, not not this one. If not you're this one. For that. I have. Yeah, it's been a while since I took a real history class. Okay, Anna was a history major. I was a history major. I think it. Did I tell you, have I told you this theory? I think the number of, um, like, Russian history classes I took from Western professors really influenced mm-hmm. how long it took me to call myself a socialist. Oh, because I was, like, were Those like, were always the villains. Soviet like, Union. Yeah. Horrible, yeah. And then... Um, Interesting. I think that was part of it. And I really respect all the professors. And they definitely, like, gave a more nuanced view than that, but that was kind of the general overarching thing was that Stalin did horrible things while in charge which is very true so he um, did do you know you know what movie I love Anna that's all on Netflix oh 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 yeah I think uh, death Mm -hmm. by death by death Death of Stalin death of of Stalin yeah oh yeah that's by the same people who did Veep I was just telling my friend about this oh that makes perfect sense anywho um so 
on that theme, Anna and I are talking today about our bipolar media recommendations. Mm-hmm. I also wanted to ask how your cat was doing because I know he was having a hard time last week. He's doing better. He Great. actually just asked for more food and ate some of it, so he's doing good. Oh, he said, please, Anna, may I have some more food, please? He says, row, 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 row. Yeah, I tried to get away from the mic for your for your ears' sake, but um, I did, I did too. Yeah, he's he was very vocal right before we started recording. So, oh, I want to once again give the kind of disclaimer, whatever that if you hear a thump, um, it's Jeanette. followed by like me snickering. It's Jeanette, the kitten that I'm fostering, throwing herself against the closet door, which sounds a lot worse than it is. She's just kind of like a very energetic kitten, so she kind of like has the zoomies <sighs> and she'll like hit the door. With her mm-hmm. tiny kitten body, which is really cute. But, yeah, so that if you hear that. Yeah, I couldn't hear it at all on. last time, but. Yeah, and I they did make it into my audio, but I, I cut it out because I, I didn't acknowledge it when it was happening. It was kind of, like, inappropriate. But, you know, maybe I'll leave it in as an Easter egg this time. Also, mm. she has fleas. Oh, no. Yeah. Yep. So many going to have fleas soon, too. Well, they are in separate rooms, so the foster woman I talked to said it was probably okay, and I'm taking her to the clinic, and they're going to give her another flea treatment. But apparently you can bathe cats in downy dish soap, and that will also take care of fleas. Oh, you're taking them into the vet for the flea stuff? I'm taking specifically Jeanette into the vet for the flea stuff because I don't want to pay for it, and I want them to actually do a good, a good job with it. Um, oh, they'll pay for her yeah. stuff? Yeah, the flea stuff, yeah. Because you're fostering. Yeah, actually, they gave, they gave you everything. They gave me, like, two litter boxes, litter, food. They'll order me more food. The vet stuff is the important part, I would say. Yep. And they're, 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 they have their own clinic. Yeah. yeah. I wish I could remember which organization. <laughs> actually, I applied to, like, four different foster organizations at the same time. And mm-hmm. then someone just texted me about Jeanette. So I actually don't know where I'm fostering her from. <laughs> oh. Yeah. I guess you'll find out when it's time to, like, give her back. Yeah, maybe I will, maybe I won't, man. Like, yeah. say. Just for context, they probably saved you, like, hundreds of dollars. Oh, my God, yeah. Well, I guess not they saved you, because you're doing that. Because, yeah, I didn't adopt you. Yeah. No. But, yeah, someone was asking me, people have been asking me if I want if I would want to, like, adopt her. But you're not supposed to do that. Because if, if you adopt a kitten, apparently, if you, like, foster, foster fail, then they won't give you more kittens, and I, I can't have that. Oh, interesting. Yeah, they're like, mm, not falling for that again, bitch. Like, I well, I'd say that'd be like a best case scenario. You would think, but I guess that it, it means they have less foster parents to choose from. Also, I think that Jeanette would be very well suited to like living with kids. Okay, so I want her to have that because I don't yeah. have any children. Yeah, it's never seemed like yeah. you were on the adoption train for Jeanette. So, no, I think we've talked long enough about this. Okay. Well, okay, so, yeah, yeah, as Maria alluded to earlier today, we are going to be doing bipolar media recommendations. Mm -hmm. It's not an episode where we review a show, so don't click off and stop listening. Thank you to all 50 people who listened to the Dave episode. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, thank you. Specifically, and if you haven't listened to it, may I say that we've gotten some feedback, some excellent feedback. Yeah, people love it, so. Worth someone said, and I quote, Dave, smiley face. So true. Yeah, I think it's definitely worth watching the show and then listening to it, just the one episode. But, um, you know, understand if you don't want to do homework for a podcast. So, yeah, so this is just 
books and well mostly books and a few tv shows or movies slash like talking about musicians who have a disorder and these are books that we didn't you know read for this like episode it's ones that we Mm -hmm. already knew about and already have already helped us through yes thinking about the disorder coming to terms with our own diagnoses helping others Mm -hmm. and understanding what they're going through when we talked about disclosing one of the things that we talked about was how important is to do the research yourself so if you have someone in your life who has that diagnosis who you Mm -hmm. think might have that diagnosis highly recommend any of these books you were just diagnosed yeah to better understand and yeah one of the reasons why we started this podcast was because there wasn't much in terms of um you know non-artists or non-highly successful people who's gotten books about their mania and their bipolar disorder published um Mm -hmm. But these are all still really good and really, even if you have a disorder, they're really helpful in terms of understanding it better and understanding other people's experiences with the disorder because it can be pretty varied. Mm-hmm. I would say even like almost especially, like, that's like the first thing I did when I was diagnosed, like not even when you were, was like mm-hmm. trying to find as much as I could about it. Because I really wanted to hear, I wanted to read like uplifting, hopeful stories. Right. Yes, or just I mean, you know stories that didn't ha- that you know didn't end in suicide. Yeah, I mean we have one book that's the exception to that, but that book has all the caveats, so we'll go into that then. But um, hopefully this is helpful, and also the very good thing about all of these is they're all very engaging. And yes, I think I'm speaking for you too, Mia, that you love memoirs, right? You know, I w- I wouldn't like have self identified as that, but I really do- I really do love memoirs. Yeah, we both love memoirs, so that's. That's the, the books that we're talking about today. It's people sharing their... And, yeah, and that happens to be what most of them are. I mean, when you, like, Google, like, bipolar yeah. books, and like, that just happens to be what most of them are. Right, and we don't want to re- recommend, like, clinical books that we don't have any sort of way of gauging if they're good or bad. You were a history major, but I I was a film and media studies major. Yeah, not... Not the best background for giving recommendations on clinical guides to bipolar disorder. Oh yeah, that's why I'm saying I'm gonna I'm gonna recommend media. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and history's all about stories, you know. So it's all about stories, guys. These are our recommendations, and if anyone has any that we missed or that they really mm-hmm. liked, or you mm-hmm. disliked one that we liked, or vice versa, mm-hmm. like please let us know. That would be great to have um other people's perspectives and opinions on that stuff and we're always looking for new books on the subject we sure as heck are okay okay first book anna first book (laughs) is almost all caveats it's the bell jar by sylvia plath turns out potentially was not a bipolar person but oh (laughs) yep i definitely have claimed that before her haven't we (laughs) i was like reading an academic article about like mm. going back in time like diagnosing her and it's it mm. seems like she was more likely just had um clinical depression sure. with like heightened states and that was like more of her personality which is to be very like back and forth and not necessarily a diagnosis but she mm. could have been again like that wasn't a very common diagnosis but then she did have treatments that would that at the time have been addressed mm-hmm bipolar disorder so but the reason why it's still on there is because i think it's a really helpful book for people who sorry i just like cracked my knuckle yeah you did crack something yeah so sorry yeah so it's a really helpful book for people who are trying to understand 
why their brain isn't functioning normally and mm. why they're not able to control their thoughts. And it speaks really well to depression as well. So when I was in the hospital, mm-hmm. I wanted my family to bring me this book. I was very convinced you that did. it would be helpful in yep right. helpful in um understanding and unpacking what was happening to me they did not which was fine because number one i really couldn't read i didn't have the attention span for it and oh. number two i already had kafka's the trial there to really depress me and under and that mm. is like a asterisk recommendation what is you know i also read <laughs> an extremely depressing book when i was yeah. first depressed yeah so so for the trial, the reason why it was given to me by someone, another um, patient mm-hmm. in the oh, ward, God. I know God. that in the Bible I both received and well, which is there. yeah. So in terms of Anna, the Kafka, do you think Jesus was bipolar? <laughs> I mean, I was Jesus, so I think I would know. Mm, no, interesting. But that that actually goes. We'll get into that. I think more in other books, but the whole mm-hmm. like I read both. Sorry, read is that strong word. I like picked out passages from both the Bible mm-hmm. and the Quran during that time because I got mm-hmm. hyper religious, as is common with mania. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And actually, there was someone in my outpatient therapy who went by like servant of the Lord. That was their oh. name. By the time that I that, that I had met them, they had been doing better and then gone deeper into psychosis as they had been outpatient. Fuck. And it was. You know, the people, uh, not all the people very kind about how she chose to identify, which I thought was really fucked up. But um, anyways, Kafka's The Trial was excellent because it really spoke to my experience of... <laughs> <laughs> it really spoke to my experience of, like, being trapped somewhere and not mm-hmm. being able to, like, understand why I was being put there. I mean, I was very paranoid and I felt very betrayed to be stuck there. So mm-hmm. that was why Kafka's The Trial was really spoke to me at the time. I never finished it, but um. I, I think people can probably vouch that's a good book all the way through. So that was what I read at the time in the ward. Definitely can recommend the Bible in terms of, it's a book yeah. people like a lot. The Quran's great. How I can yeah. recommend that. And the Torah. Uh, yeah, I didn't get, a, get my little mitts on the Torah, but I did get the other two ones. <laughs> and um, and the bell jar was great because it was the plot of the bell jar is um, a young girl working for a magazine in New York and kind of how her mental health deteriorates over the course of it. Mm-hmm. And then she ends up attempting suicide and I won't tell you how the book ends but it actually is much mm-hmm. more uplifting i think than people get the bell jar credit for she gets help Agreed. which is not Agreed. something that people really associate with sylvia plath because her own story ended differently um mm-hmm. but it is semi-autobiographical for sylvia plath it is a really yeah. beautiful story and i it's think just so well written too so well written and learning it's more. like it's very funny mm-hmm. it's really funny and um just being able to learn that it's okay that things don't go perfectly i i was about to start an internship myself and um Mm -hmm. just knowing that even if things didn't pan out the way i wanted to mental health wise i would be given second chances and stuff like that it wasn't the end of the world but yeah that's a great book obviously i think people pretty much know that at this point but even Mm -hmm. though she wasn't necessarily diagnosed bipolar disorder it really does speak to the experience of um, depression really well and and honestly I remember her as being bipolar so I think it also speaks to kind of yeah. the ups as well like as the yeah. downs so 
certainly some psychosis. Do you want to read the quotes that I... Oh, yes. So pulled? two quotes from it were, um, I couldn't see the point of get- getting up. I had nothing to look forward to. And the floor seemed wonderfully solid. It was comforting to know I had fallen and could fall no further. Yeah, that really, I think, speaks That's to That's depression. How. That's depression. Oh, another correction from earlier podcast episodes is I think I referenced the short story, The Yellow Wallpaper, as being a part of the bell jar. It's two different authors completely in that. Oh, yeah, I'd never heard of the other one. The Yellow Wallpaper is actually just an allegory, or maybe allegory is the wrong word, but uh, a story more about being a female in a patriarchal world and how you get like labeled mm-hmm. as crazy and told that you like can't do things, which is not... I mean, it, it comes across as being crazy and hysterical at the time the doctors in this story diagnosed her that way, but the idea mm-hmm. is that it had more to do with just being limited in your being a woman in the world, so... That is not by Sylvia Plath. It's by by Charlotte Perkins Gilman. Which I, it's still a great short story, but it's, yeah. it's not specific to that experience. Okay. These also all have the... And I think this is for, like, coincidence, but for a reason. Like, these are all also all written by people who have the disorder or... Oh, you know, like, yes. So... I think that's why we like them, honestly. And that's why sometimes the TV shows are hard because there's so many hands in it and then the writers and directors tend to not have the illness. So it makes it, it rings less true, I would say. It tends to come off a little more melodramatic. Yeah, we, yeah, that's, that's important. We, I I don't know if it was intentional or I think it mostly was that we wanted to hear, um, stories from people who add the illness not people who are trying to understand it because that would just not be as helpful for us for the reason yeah. why we just discussed like we were trying to figure yeah. out people actually going through it not like people watching someone else yeah. go through it yeah not that there's much of that either nope <laughs> i would love okay. if there was anyone has recommendations for that but yeah okay so the next one we're gonna go so it's called an unquiet mind it's dr k ramafield jameson's memoir. She is a mm-hmm. psychiatrist who also has bipolar disorder. She was diagnosed a bit later in life, despite being a psychiatrist, uh, mm-hmm. which just speaks to the, you know, pow- power of the mind and not wanting a diagnosis, meaning not getting a diagnosis. And so I recommend this book because I do think that it really is, it's like the first thing that will pop up in like all your Google searches or like anyone yeah. that you ask about it. Like, it really is kind of like the first great one written about bipolar and, and disorder. Also, I think it's also recommended often by mental health professionals, but because the person writing it is yeah. one herself. Yeah. So, so it's a really interesting because it has the perspective of it's a memoir. It's about her life, but she's also a psychiatrist. So she is able to really straddle those two things extremely well. I think mm-hmm. she has a full understanding of the exact cause of the disorder the the medications used to treat the disorder, all that sort mm-hmm. of stuff. And it also is kind of nice to know that somebody who literally has, you know, medical degree not diagnosing it in herself and not seeking treatment for so long and, and everything. Um and also making a huge mess of her life as well. Mm-hmm. And the caveat I'm gonna give is it's not it's relatable in all those ways, but it's for us, it was pretty unrelatable because mm. she's also ultra wealthy. She comes from a, I think, a military family or something. Like, at one point, she talks about, not to spoil anything, but at one point, she talks about how she, like, 
ruined herself financially, but then her brother, who worked for the, like, the Federal Reserve or the World Bank, was able to, like, get her a loan. Yeah. It's kind of like the eat, pray, love of bipolar memoirs. Yeah. Like, a very privileged yeah. woman has, like, all these things yeah. where it's like, oh, come on! Like, yeah. you have, like a, like, a PhD in psychology yeah. and these men are throwing themselves at you constantly. <laughs> like, what is going on? Um, yeah. Yeah, and she, you know, she's, but she's written multiple textbooks about it. She mm-hmm. has become, like, the foremost expert at, in the medical field about this stuff. So I do still recommend it. I, it is, like, the writing, honestly, like, it is a little bit unbearable at certain points. Like, mm-hmm. it's really, really frustrating to listen to a white woman talk about, like, her sabbatical or whatever at Oxford and how she loved the tradition. And right. It was so great, like... That's, like, one of her biggest loves in life. And then, like, oh, this, like, really handsome man fell in love with me and he loved poetry. And But then because she does, she's honest about it, you know, she does talk about, like, all the issues in her relationships and that sort yeah. of stuff. So, and yeah. she does, like, she does write extremely coherently and specifically about what it's like, the humiliation she's had, mm-hmm. that sort of stuff. Yeah. And so I wanted to just read a few quotes from, from that. Um, One's about depression. So she says, Others imply that they know what it is like to be depressed because they've gone through a divorce, lost a job, or broken up with someone. But these experiences carry with them feelings. Depression, instead, is flat, hollow, and unendurable. It is also tiresome. People cannot abide being around you when you are depressed. They might think that they ought to, and they might even try. But you know, and they know that you know, that you are tedious beyond belief. You are irritable and paranoid and humorless and lifeless and critical and demanding and no reassurance is ever enough. You are frightened and you're frightening and you're not at all like yourself, but will be soon. But you know you won't. So yeah, I thought that was a really good description of depression. And then she also, when she's coming to terms with her diagnosis, she says, which of my feelings are real? Which of the me is me, the wild, impulsive, chaotic, energetic, and crazy one, or the shy, withdrawn, desperate, suicidal, doomed, and tired one? Probably a bit of both. Hopefully much that is neither. Which I, like, that really, to me, like, Mm -hmm. wraps up, like, how, when I was processing everything that I had gone through, and, like, the shame I had around what I had done that summer, and, like, but also, like, the great joy that was in being so wild, impulsive, and energetic, and then... All that stuff. Like, I thought that was, that really encapsulated that experience for me. And mm-hmm. processing who you are beyond your mental illness. And then also coming to terms with the fact that your mental illness is also a part of you. Yeah, definitely. No, and she does yeah. speak really well to that um, dichotomy. And yeah. that's, you know, even though it's less relatable, the really successful ones is also helpful to know that people who are even like at these great places in their lives and who've been able to accomplish yeah. so much still struggle with the exact same issues yeah. when it comes to the disorder. Exactly. Yeah, that was the first book that I read out of mm-hmm. the hospital about bipolar disorder and I think it's a really yeah. excellent place to start and a, and a great one to recommend to people as well. I'll give it a four out of five. Oh, we're rating them. Why not? I'm going to give the bell jar a five out of five. Five out of five, yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine we're like, eh, Belgium, maybe two. Yeah. Yeah, I would say four out of five. I mean, it's, it's, again, I think that I will stand by the whole idea. Like, if Eat, Pray, Love was, like, a little bit grinding to you, you, this book will also be a little bit grating as well. Yeah, I believe she has a few other books as well, obviously her medical textbook, so. Yeah, she has a book um, called Touched by Fire, which is about 
famous people throughout mm. history who she thinks probably had the disorder. Yeah. Which is, again, because bipolar disorder is tied to being creative so often. It's a lot of mm-hmm. very famous um, artists and things like that. So, Like Tati Duke. Or Ernest Hemingway. But isn't that weird her last name is Duke? I know. I was thinking about that. <laughs> That's Anyways. our last name as well, in case you don't know us. Oh, yeah. No Patties in our family, though. Sadly. Not that Patty, certainly. She's an actress. <laughs> uh, she played... Oh, Helen Keller, yeah. She did a great job. And she had the Patty Duke show. Killing it, Patty. She, lived, she died in 2016. All right. Okay. Back uh, to the show. Okay. So the next one is a graphic novel, but it's mm-hmm. novel length, like book length. Mm-hmm. And it's called Marbles, Mania, Depression, Michelangelo, and Me. And it's written by a graphic novelist, Ellen Forney. And this one is very well written. And I first read this when Maria was going through, when you, Maria, were going through. Um, Maria Constance. Duke. My Patty Duke, yes. Twin sister. We, we were going through your first, and hopefully last, yeah. manic episode. Um, and it was so helpful to me because this is one of those books where the person had a lot of love for the parts themselves that were manic and that were all like you know she's a she's an artist she really felt it was tied to her creativity and she struggled a lot with the decision to go on medication and the decision to stay Mm -hmm. on medication and that was so different than my experience but was it rang true to, to your experience yeah and it was really helpful in terms of being like, oh, okay, so when Maria does these things, it's not because of me, it's because of the disorder. And, and like, there is a, a subsection of people who really have strong ties and fondness for that part of themselves. You know and, what like, I wish? feel really good throughout Somet- it. Yes, sorry. Sometimes, like, I wish I fucking hadn't had it. And you guys have been so fucking wrong. Smug little... No. So-and-sos. If you could have had it and then not had, like, the bad parts that were a very big tip off to the fact that you had it, I would be fine with that. But... Alright. Yeah. Whatever. Sorry. Someone still needs to unpack some of that. I'm just Um, prickly because of how much of last episode was spent talking about how I was an asshole. No! Not that you were an asshole. That's the whole point of these books! Sorry. (laughs) Is that that it normalizes these things and, like gives a point of reference to why people are behaving in ways that aren't like them or are like them but more so so one of the books one of the quotes is from right after she gets diagnosed it says my personality reflected a disorder shared by a group of people but then the scarier is the so what do i do about it and i think that really speaks to it like you get the diagnosis and you're just like okay this helps explain certain things um but like yeah what are the next steps and also like how do i untangle which parts of it are the disorder and which parts of it are me spoiler alert you don't really get to do that you don't really ever get to untangle all of it so it's beautifully illustrated it's a very quick read yeah it's It's really fun it's so funny it's so fun and it's definitely an antidote to like the darker <laughs> like the yeah. bell jar or even an yep. unquiet mind there's a lot of dark stuff in that one there's dark stuff yeah. in the in marbles as well but it's not there it's balanced by a lot of humor and whimsy with the illustrations yeah i'd, I'd say totally it's pretty similar to this podcast 
yeah it's great <laughs> if it's totally like similar podcast. it must be amazing yeah. yeah but i highly highly recommend especially if mm-hmm. i don't know I, I guess i remember I, I was like you should read this to you maria during it but i don't know yeah it's hard to i think it's really good after the fact or when you see someone yeah. going through it yeah it's really a great book it's also i yeah. don't know it's so different than our experiences like these like mm-hmm. artists you know but yeah so i liked right. it a lot yeah, and she um, then has since gone on to write a self-help book specifically yes. for disorder. <laughs> which actually we did an episode which on, have, which you'll never hear. Yeah. Because Having it was never not good. Book, just, <laughs> yeah. I truly arrogant we just, to do, but we did it. We just like, saw her framework of self-help and we were like, oh, yeah. okay, we'll speak to that, which is not... I would be so mad if someone saw like, the episode description of this podcast and was like, I can speak to it. Like, no, that's not how you do it. Hopefully well, one we'll day read it and then we'll, we'll read it and come we'll back. I think it'd be cool to read some more self-helpy versions of books and yeah. then come back with them. We do love a self-help book. We love a self-help book. If I would give that a five out of five. I really enjoyed that one. I think it's yeah, so five delightful. out of five. Yeah. Even if, even if you have no interest in bipolar disorder and you don't even know it and you're just listening to this podcast because you're trying to be supportive yeah. of us or just audio in general i would really recommend reading it because it's such a quick delightful read yeah 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 five or five Five okay so my the one that i wanted to recommend next is called just like someone without mental illness only more so by mark vonnegut a doctor a pediatrician the son of kurt vonnegut Mm -hmm. this is his second book and so this one is written when he is in his later years and i think that it is so well written it was so it was just like a soothing read he goes into his struggles with alcoholism which he was using to self-medicate for bipolar disorder so he's a lot of like really interesting stuff to say about that he was undiagnosed for a while as well i think which is really common i mean again like most people don't get diagnosed until well after a few of their episodes, especially back when he was first struggling with it. It's a lot more, hopefully, like, there's a lot less stigma and people can get diagnoses mm-hmm. a lot quicker now. Yeah. But yeah, and I just I just think it's, it's, he also is, he's a pediatrician, so he also talks a lot about the modern healthcare system and yeah. how recent insurance companies and all that sort of stuff came into the American system, and I think that people in general, um, specifically in America, they have this tendency to think that all of these institutions and systems and processes have always been this way. It's impossible to change. Uh, Even if we do change it, it's slow, gradual change, Uh, when in reality, a lot of it is extremely, extremely recent, including and especially the healthcare system, the for-profit healthcare system. Yeah, health insurance. Health insurance, yeah, and he really goes, he has a really incredibly incisive takedown of it, I think, and I think it's worth reading for that. If you're a Kurt Vonnegut fan, he also talks about Kurt Vonnegut at certain points. Yeah. I'm a huge Kurt Vonnegut fan. Right. (laughs) Specifically as his writing. Uh, Huge. And so I, when I found out that his son had bipolar disorder, I was really excited and there's actually a lot of history of mental illness in their family which he goes into right i was gonna say yeah as well i wasn't the only one with bipolar disorder in the family no and so i chose like a bajillion quotes for this one i like um let's see which one do you like anna oh i'm gonna read a kurt bonnie quote really quickly or a quote that he has about kurt bonnie 
My father was a proudly antisocial man who spent most of his time on a typewriter, reflecting negatively on his neighbors and society, throwing in things like, God damn it, you've got to be kind. The emphasis was on the God damn it. He was proud of the fact that he had no friends. Yeah, I like that one a lot. I Yeah, I... We're big Kurt Vonnegut yeah. stands, like... like huge. It actually, this like, is just I've a read book all, recommendation. Almost all of his stuff. Yeah, and he has um a book that's just a collection of letters. Uh, it's called Kurt so Vonnegut good. Letters, which is so good. And every time I read it, I start thinking In the your way head, he like writes. Your, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. I love doing that. I do that with David Sedaris, too. Yeah, whenever I'm reading memoirs of people... Yeah. um. Or, like, or letters of people. Yeah, I mean, obviously he had some blind spots in terms of like race and stuff like that, and he didn't treat women particularly well in his personal life, but he's a great writer. He's a great writer. He really is. And and one other quote that I like that you wrote down, Mia, is, the biggest gift of being unambiguously mentally ill is a time I've saved myself trying to be normal. And I think that's kind of like the motto of this podcast is that, you know, there's no real normal and it's okay that these things are, you know, a part of us. And yeah. it's just a matter of, you know, being like, okay, well, this explains a lot of my behavior or mm-hmm. it kind of precludes the idea that I could ever be like a perfect person. So now like, where do I go from here? And how mm-hmm. do I find like the joy and, and the, the lessons to be learned from these experiences? So yeah, that was a really good, back- I mean, it wasn't like the, well, what do you think in terms of like how it measures up? I guess we like all of these, huh? I would give it like a, I think about all the time, like a five out of five. Oh, really? I would say like a four out of five. Okay. I didn't think it was as well written as um, mm-hmm. some of the other books that we read. And it was, it's fairly short. And in terms of like bipolar media, he does spend a lot of time on stuff beside mm-hmm. bipolar disorder, which is great and fine. And he's allowed mm-hmm. to do that in his own memoir. But it's not like, if someone That's was true. to come to me and be like, I need to read yeah. one book on bipolar disorder, I wouldn't be like... Yeah this one i think it's yeah, great for a lot that, of reasons but it's not yeah. like a seminal text yeah i'm gonna say one more okay life for the unwell is discontinuous and unpredictable things just come out of nowhere people try but mostly do a lousy job of taking care of you i just think like, he's just stuff like that like just like little nuggets like that i just think it's like a he's yeah he's clearly insightful. someone who's like processed a lot of trauma in his yeah. life yeah. yeah his story too is like nuts like what happens to him mm-hmm. so yeah highly recommend especially if you're a big like you want to yeah. learn more about the Vonnegut family. Mm-hmm. So the last one, the last book that we're going to like wholeheartedly recommend is a book called Mental by Jaime, I want to say, Low, And it's similar to Marbles. It's about a creative person struggling with bipolar disorder, but it's a lot more about she delves into the history of lithium as a cure. Mm. And it's a lot more about her like battle with and journey towards medication yeah and how she has to be like radically honest with her psychiatrist in order to get the right medication and stop having recurring episodes Mm -hmm. which i think is so good and it really speaks to the importance of the relationship between a mental health provider and their patients and she also does a really good job of, of again going to the history of lithium as a medication i'm on lithium so that was like particularly interesting to me yeah whenever i learn about a famous person who took lithium i always like enjoy hearing about that and she mm-hmm. talks about like the healing salt baths and stuff like that which i didn't even really put together in my head that lithium is a salt and so that makes sense oh that is interesting it is really and interesting novels from the right exactly stuff. yeah they were they were onto something and it's about like a creative she was in like the music scene in new york and it was her character is like kind of like it reminds me of how they portrayed it 
that Anne Hathaway is it, is modern it, uh, life. Fictional or is it a memoir? Memoir. Okay. So so her person, I guess. But it's yeah. really good and this is a content warning sexual assault. Her story starts with her being like sexually assaulted as like a ten year old in an alley. Or oh maybe God. a thirteen year old. Yeah, it's like a horrible story. But she how I first heard about her is through This American Life. She did a podcast episode called Ten Sessions about what is the Oh, type of I've listened to this one. Yeah. Yeah, I like recommend it to everyone because I think it speaks so well to like counteracting self blame and unpacking like the idea of like, oh, if I just done something differently I would have been sexually assaulted, which is like not a helpful way of thinking. Yeah, it's like an intensive trauma therapy that involves a lot of like worksheets and workbooks and like talk sessions. Yeah. Okay, it's called yeah. CPTCP, so cognitive processing therapy. And it's supposed to be over the course of like many months, but she did it in two mm-hmm. weeks because that's what she had for the story. Um, it's like all the time that she had. It's very good. So I would recommend yeah. the her memoir wholeheartedly and also that if you're trying to learn more about sexual trauma, like that is a really great place to start. And I use like things that I've learned from that in my crisis hotline work, not CPT because I'm not a therapist, but like, <laughs> I, like how to like ask questions yeah. to start to unpack self blame yeah. and really good highly recommend it kind of also reminds me Maria that memoir of the person like in Portland or whatever that you really like that um like punk rock oh, woman it's yeah Seattle it's called uh, yeah, Love and Trouble by Claire Detterer which I love and yeah, nobody. It- who's listening to this is allowed to make a movie about it because I'm going to. So yeah, <laughs> copyright <Fuck off>. yeah. <laughs> licensing. Yeah. It reminds me a lot of that in terms of like the tone and like her life story, which I yeah. really liked. So five out of five. Great. Okay. Uh, the last one that we're going to talk about is resilience, two sisters in a story of mental illness, which is written by Jesse close with the help of Pete early, who is a writer. It's like a kind of a ghostwriter situation. She's the sister of actress Glenn close who everyone knows and <laughs> it's from i don't know 101 dalmatians fame and yeah. so, anyways, so <laughs> uh so she uh, it's not very well written i'm gonna say that first off it's extremely melodramatic but the things the little in- the events that happen in jesse close's lives are f- fucking bonkers and so Sorry, so Jesse Close is the is the bipolar sister of Glenn Close. Yeah, right? so Jesse right. Close has bipolar disorder. Glenn Close does not. And so she writes about it and she just has this like she grew up in like the sixties and seventies. She like had this radio show that she did out of her apartment. She moved to Montana and like operated a dude ranch for a while. Uh, they grew up in, like, some sort of religious cult in, uh, like, I want to say, like, Switzerland. Oh, really? like, it's just, like, it's just wild. And she also, like, you know, she also eventually found stability and started some sort of, like, had Glenn Close start some sort of nonprofit. Her, her son has schizoaffective disorder. I just, I give it, like, a three out of five because the, mm-hmm. the writing is really, like, childish, I would say. But I do think that just the literal events that happen are really engaging and she got her diagnosis way way later in life and she didn't have as mm-hmm. much of a safety net so you do see like actual consequences for her which is something that you really miss in Kay Jameson's memoir and so I thought that was like that, so that that part of it was extremely fun for me to read yeah I, I thought it was good there's a l- little bit of like weird 
weight shaming at the very end. So I, you don't need to really read the last couple chapters, honestly. <laughs> okay. So that's that for books. Well, I say, I feel like it's okay if you're a celebrity to get like a ghostwriter and like yeah. actually yeah. and like actually make like a well written book. Like they're like yeah. usually obsession with like, oh, they didn't write it themselves. Like, no, I'd rather read a well written book that someone yeah. else helped with. Like your your job is not yeah. to be a writer. Why would you be like yeah. able to write a full length book? Yeah. So that's just a tangent. People yeah. yeah. I'm sure Pete Early did the best that he could, but yeah. yes. Okay. okay so, yeah. So we've already recommended Dave, the TV show that Lil Dicky made. There's one episode that Gata, his hype man, his story was used to inspire it. Gata has bipolar disorder. He is now openly out about it. It's an extremely good episode. We've done a podcast episode reviewing it, just called Dave. Uh, it's part of our Madness in the Media series. <laughs> we both really liked it. We both would really recommend it. Yeah. The show itself, not our thing but that particular episode yeah. season one episode well five yeah yeah okay especially for the, everyone who we just recommended was white most part women this is about a black man so there's a lot a lot of value to be learned from his story as opposed to these relatively privileged people's stories then uh we really like the movie three identical strangers it's about yeah. it's again just like a really good it's a documentary it's, it was came out I think a couple years ago like 2018. It's just incredibly well done. Yeah. It I and I watched it right after I got diagnosed. I think it just held hands the whole time. It's about three siblings who are separated at birth. They never spe- explicitly say said bipolar, but it's it's very much so alerted to in the way they talk yeah. about one of the characters. Yeah. And it's just well, first of all, we love things that have twins or multiples in mm-hmm. them, mm-hmm. and. It was also really helpful in terms of showing, like, I don't know, people get really into the whole nature versus nurture debate, and mm-hmm. this movie does a great job. I, well, hmm, I don't know if the movie does a great job, but for us, it was a really good way of showing, like, this doesn't matter. Like, you know, yeah. people, it's whatever happens. Like, it's a very, yeah. I think that's a very silly thing to be, like, focused yeah. on is, like, obviously surroundings have an impact. Obviously, with bipolar disorder, it's very much so genetic. So it's just, you know, whatever ends up happening is whatever ends up happening. But it's really interesting. There's, like, a bunch of twists. We have not even, like, we told the, like, small twist at the beginning, but there's so many more. It's so interesting. Um, and yeah. it's really well done. The way they do the interviews is really smart in terms of, um, like, like building suspense and not giving way too much of the of the movie um and it's yeah. just like a really really interesting story and they it's uh, yeah really really well done you can tell that it wasn't made by uh multiple but that's okay that's true <laughs> it also wasn't made by someone like very interested in people telling them a part in the interviews yeah. but um i think that's a little bit intentional oh it reminds me a bit of the seven up documentary series which is which checks in on the group of British people every seven years who are in that specific sociological study. Oh, yeah. Which I had to watch in sociology, got to watch in sociology classes. <laughs> so it reminds me of that a little bit, where it's like you're watching people's oh, lives wow. unfold. It's like the, it's similar nature versus nurture thing, but way, 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 way more engaging. And interesting, yeah. Yeah. I, tr- like, truly one of my favorite documentaries of all yeah, time. Yeah, and the amount of access that they got to... yeah different people in the story is really remarkable there's one yeah. father who's definitely painted as the villain or he's like he could be painted as the villain yeah. and he, and they get an interview with him which i think was really remarkable yeah. 
So that would be a five out of five. Oh, for me, five out of five for sure. Yes, yeah. loved it, loved it. Uh, Silver Lines Playbook, they do explicitly say that Bradley Cooper's character has bipolar disorder. This, the plot of this movie, if you don't know, um, and I've seen about five trillion times, but even before we knew that we have bipolar disorder, mm-hmm. um, it's uh, Katniss. What the fuck is her name? Uh, Jennifer Lawrence. Jennifer Lawrence and Bradley Cooper. Jennifer Lawrence's husband has died. Bradley Cooper's wife cheated on him. He had undiagnosed bipolar disorder, which is now diagnosed. She has either grief or something has happened to her. Um, And they meet just while they're both dealing with these things and in recovery. And I just thought it was so well done. I really, really really it's again a, a really pleasant film to watch it's like yeah a romantic comedy sort of but it's way probably more like smart. Yeah. yeah probably not the most mm, accurate yeah not the best portrayal of bipolar yeah. disorder like she's definitely yeah. the crazy one in the movies throughout and like yeah it i don't know it just really rings that true in terms of how it's yeah. expressed but the movie itself is really good so good yeah and um Sorry, and it, I mean it does like go into like his mania, um, not so much his depression, uh, and it's set in Philadelphia, I believe. Which yeah, is there's that fun. really funny scene of him throwing out, um, yeah, all it? the books out of the window. Just that, just right, just initially like that one book. Yeah, he gets really for whom like, the bell just, tolls. It's just because he's like, yeah, it's just kind of really ending. funny. Yeah, it's really funny. I wanted to say so the first two, Dave and Three Nickel Strangers, are available on Hulu. Silver Lines play, play, Playbook is available on Netflix yes. right now. Great. Thank As you, of Anna. July 5th, 2020. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but yeah, all, all, all definitely worth a watch. I mean, I feel like Silver Lines Play people probably have already watched, but they might forget that there's a bipolar plotline. Because it's not mentioned very often. No. Okay. And then Spinning Out was Wait, what would you say? You would say five out of five? Uh, I would say, f- I guess, four out of five because the I would say four out of five bipolar well. decider wasn't awesome. Yeah. Spinning Out is a TV series on Netflix. It's kind of a melodrama. It's about an ice skater, her sister and her mother. They're all ice skaters. And this is not a spoiler, but the mom has bipolar disorder and so does the daughter. It's a, Okay, so it's not really my taste TV-wise. Like, I don't, I don't watch much dramatic TV... It is really overwrought at certain points for me. <laughs> I I don't think it's particularly well done in that regard, mm. but it does have a lot of female... Like, the director is female, the creator, like, the writers, I believe, are female as well, and obviously the main characters are, so I do like that aspect of it. January Jones is the mom. Love January oh, Jones. nice. Looking... <laughs> She's 42, and the actress who plays the daughter is 28 so it's like a little unconvincing but i think that's probably a plot line actually uh but i've only seen the pilot so i i kind of recommend it you only i've only watched the pilot january jones is portrayed very negatively uh she doesn't manage her bipolar disorder very well she forgets to take her medication i have no idea how difficult it would be to have a bipolar parent or to be a bipolar parent, it seems incredibly tough. And she doesn't do a great job of it. She's a single mom. So I think if if that's an angle that you're looking for, I think that this fills that void. 
Yeah, I d- it's just not my cup of tea. Yeah. Yeah. And I um, haven't watched it. I watched it for this. No, I haven't. Yeah. I think if you like, you know, like dramatic, sexy kind of teen TV series, then you would like it. It's only one season, so it's bingeable, and it was recommended by to me by someone that I trust, so I think that it definitely has merit. It's just not my cup of tea. So I would give it a three out of five. It, did, I, it didn't really grab me, but I think... Yeah. That if you like the sort of stuff, then it's probably great. Yeah. And they mentioned lithium as well, Anna. So um, nice. Yeah. One thing that we're thinking about watching is this movie Inside the Rain. It's about it's like written and directed by someone who I think directed as well, by someone who has bipolar disorder. Like it's autobiographical. Um oh, okay. and it's about like a college student like making a short film about his disorder. Um, oh, that's fun. Yeah, so I only got a few minutes in it and then I stopped, but I think it would be something that might be worth watching for our madness in the media series in the future um all right and then we wanted to just end by if our <laughs> if our uh, ratings ever get too high we'll do another madness in the yeah. media episode oh, yeah right um so we also wanted to recommend two podcasts and then we have a list of like musicians who you just might not know were, were bipolar so podcast rex from elena morrissey the hardcore who is self- on our last- boundaries episode last episode yes yep. And which people are loving, and people are just falling in love with Lena Morrissey as everyone does. She speaks very eloquently and very beautifully about her experience watching us go through the, the disease. So, okay, so her recommendations were the Hilarious World of Depression and the Hardcore Self Help Podcast. And if we find more like podcasts that have bipolar disorder, it seems like probably whoever's listening to this would enjoy that format. So, we, we will, will let you know. We'll maybe do a different episode specifically on uh, podcasts. And Maybe we'll just get people from those podcasts on our podcast. Yeah. So, okay, there's, for musicians, we've already mentioned maybe 20 times on this podcast. Kanye West. Kanye West. This is in no way endorsing his run for presidency, but he is a bipolar man. So, sure is. And he has a whole album, basically, about bipolar disorders, so. Called Yay. Yeah. Halsey is bipolar and she's like pretty outspoken about it demi lovato same thing i think people mostly know that but she's very outspoken selena gomez recently came out as bipolar oh on, really mm-hmm. uh I, I, heard, I think emmy is the one who told me about it but oh. it was like uh she was in like, an interview with miley cyrus and just like casually mentioned it sick now for the people yeah I did, you wrote mariah carey had no idea yes mariah carey is bipolar bipolar queen um, does she does she say when how do you know did she say it yeah she's just closed it i think she got diagnosed in like 2002 or something wow yeah i love her brian wilson from the beach boys was bipolar mm-hmm. kurt cobain from nirvana yep Jimi hendrix he has a song called manic depression which I listened to a few minutes of. I'm not a huge rock person, but I'm, it was very good. And then Sinead O'Connor of Nothing Compares to You fame. Any song that you can listen to a few minutes of and it's still not over is just a lot for me. Yeah, exactly. As everyone knows, we don't have like the best musical taste. <laughs> um, I... Yeah. So some of those, I didn't know that Brian Wilson from the Beach Boys was. Or yeah, that Jim, Yeah, so some of those are surprising to me, so... Yeah, you, you, you know the Beach Boys. Uh, their father was abusive. I I did. I think we learned that together, perhaps. Yeah. To those <laughs> of you who didn't know, they sang to escape it, and he was very demanding. Yeah, it sounds like an awful time being in that group. Yes. Crap. Okay. 
Um, yeah, so that's that, I think. If we, if anyone knows any other celebrities or, again, like, any other recommendations, like, please email us at bipolarbicoastal at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. You can DM us on Instagram at Bipolar by Coastal or, or Facebook. Message us on Facebook. Bipolar by Coastal. But yeah, did you have a voicemail, Mia? I do, I do. So this is the point in the show where Anne and I play voice memos for each other that we recorded throughout the week. Someone told me that they were going to start doing that just in general. For us? Gwen Kokas. No, like for like, just for, um, for I think for Elena mostly, but yeah. That's cute. <laughs> like cute. Okay, sorry, hang on. Hi, Gwen. <laughs> Hi, Gwen. I'm mostly through watching the movie School Days and the TV show Dead to Me, and I like both quite a bit. But during School Days, they say the F, like the bad F word, like a bajillion times at one point, and I am not, I don't know how that is allowed. Okay, but. That's the Spike Lee movie? Yeah, have you seen it? No, I really want to because I love marching like drumlines and um like that culture. But Beyonce's homecoming. <laughs> <laughs> no, I liked them before that. I used to like watch. I know, um... I know. Anyways, um, and I like to watch HBCUs, uh, like dance teams and drumlines. Yeah. Um. Okay. <laughs> um. Then we do. Yeah. That's that's disappointing. I mean, yeah, Spike Lee is not a very like progressive person in a lot of ways. <laughs> No, extremely visionary in terms of race, and then really drops the ball with homosexuality. Or women. (laughs) Or women. Although, yes, I thought Girl 6 was very good, which is about phone sex operators. But yes, School Days is a 1988 Spike Lee movie, and it is about an HBCU, historically black college slash university, Mission College, and it's the... Tensions between the black activists on campus and the black fraternities slash sororities Greeks life on campus, and oh, it's interesting. also kind of a bizarre musical. There's like a lot of musical numbers, uh, not like drumline numbers, but like musical numbers. There's one point where they're at a dance and they play the song uh, "Us." song that I think they made up from the movie, an original song called Do the Butt. Yeah. It's really funny, but there also is a moment where they're the activists are trying to make fun of the fraternity on campus, and they just say the F word, like, over and over again. And it was really shocking. It was like, when I say uh, whatever, Delta, you say F word, Delta, F word, F word, word, like, over and over and over again. I was like, okay! Uh, Yeah. Well, no, there's is. no gay people in this movie, I guess. Yeah. Um, and at one point, <laughs> this the, a nerd comes in between the two guys. It's like the activist and the fr- like frat brother leader like facing off, and the activist, like the, the nerd comes in between. And it's like, as a key carrying member of Phi Beta Kappa, I'm gonna have to ask you gentlemen to stop this. You. Like, that's so you. That's me. Uh, I do a little the secret handshake. Yeah, then they scissor their fingers together. Was... Don't tell. You can't tell. Now you're out Don't of fire kappa. I was definitely more of an activist on campus because there was no fraternities. And then Dead to Me is also on Netflix right now. So is School Days. And it is starring Linda Cardellini from Freaks and Geeks. and Or, or Scooby-Doo, if you prefer 
that reference to Thelma in the modern live-action Scooby-Doo. And I want to say Christina Applegate. Is that right? That's, a, that's an actress. Do you know what the blonde actress... Stall from Anne. Do you know? Do you have, have you seen commercials for this? Wait, what is this? Dead to Me. It's oh. got two seasons on Netflix. No, I haven't. <laughs> it's kind of like the comedy version of Big Little Lies, and oh, okay. the Los. It's like instead of being in, set in the Bay Area, it's set in the Los Angeles area. Yes, Christina. Wow, Allen. people from LA are so diverse in their representations. They went from the Bay Area to LA. Wow. Uh, um, <laughs> little lawyers are sitting in the Bay Area, and this I'm one's just in LA. I'm just saying, people yeah. on the coast love to make movies about their own cities. We sure do. It's cheaper that way. Um, but yeah, so so I it's I think it's incredibly funny. It reminds me a bit of Orange Is the New Black, and how there's like a cliffhanger at the end of every single episode. Mm. So it's like extremely bingeable, and it's thirty-ish minute episodes. Um, I'm just like flying through it i started on friday i am now like almost at the second season oh nice yeah so i nothing to do with bipolar disorder they although they do all like there's definitely like uh it's okay so it's about someone whose husband died and this other woman who's also going through a loss and they meet and become friends um, and then there's like all these convoluted one of them's trying to find her husband's killer like all this sort of stuff so it's like, like they're like bonded further and further like further and further and meshed with each other's lives and i it's just a truly like i i really enjoy it and it's a little bit like they get a little like feminism 101 at certain points where they're like men are always calling women crazy don't do that but it like it's so rare and like kind of sweet to see women in their 40s say mm. stuff like that and you know what i mean like come to that realization yeah. I really enjoyed it. I really am enjoying it. I'm going to probably finish it after we, watch, after we finish recording this. So if oh, you're nice. looking for a non-bipolar media recommendation, that is mine. What is it again? Yeah. Dead to me. Dead to me. Yes. Got it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's all I got for you. Oh, uh, Chloe and Hallie's uh, new album, Ungodly Hour, the title track off of that is really good. Who's that? Chloe and Hallie, you know the show Grownish? Oh, which actually I started. I'm enjoying much more than I thought I would. But you know the show Grownish with uh, Yara Shahadi, I think is her name. Shahidi? What? What? Sorry, what is it? It's like say? a spinoff of Blackish, that show Grownish, you know? Yes, with the twins Chloe and Hallie, who are but, Beyonce's uh, chosen ones, yes. But they're not actually twins. Chloe is two years older. Sorry. And, yes. No, but in the show, they're twins. I did not know that until oh. very recently. And they just came out with yeah. an album, and the title track off the album. Ungodly Hour is very good. It's like very um all the whole album is good, but that's my favorite. It's like very like vibey and like yeah, I've been playing that on repeat. Oh, I uh, thank you. So- I'm wow. I've been looking for some new music, so thank you so much for recommending that. Oh, also Amul Yowali's Spotify playlist Comfort Zone is excellent. So if you just search for Amul Yowali, all one word, um, you will how do you spell his last name? G Y. Wait, sorry. I got too excited. A M U L I 
A A M U L G Y A W A L I. He's been very into Spotify playlists recently, and that is something that I have been listening to. That that one specifically, um, it is like Maria just like takes me back to junior year of uh Ugh. college. So twenty fifteen, baby. Yeah. Yes, yes. There's yes. definitely some controversial artists about that. So, but that was the time period it was made in. So, and you know means. what? We're not afraid of controversy. <laughs> Matter of fact, I'm going to count how many years we've been alive. Again. No. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. <laughs> Did <laughs> And you still posted the wrong thing. We're going into Facebook. our 27th year of life. year of life, yes. We will, we are, Anne and I are currently living our 27th year. It is looking a lot different than I thought it would. What, thought it would at, at like, age what? 26 25 oh, four days ago <laughs> four to five days ago oh yeah well, yours I, is already uh yeah my roommate's living out <laughs> okay wait, should we like if wrap this up with i just talk in the los angeles area is looking for a roommate to move into a house to move into an apartment with a kitten with a kitten and a full and a cat cat well a, a mini cat a mini cat it's on the west side, <laughs> and the rent is less than a thousand a month. So, how's the traffic? Traffic is non-existent right now because Great. there's coronavirus. I just know it's LA, so like traffic, you know. I do. DC has also traffic. In fact, <laughs> yes. Well, won't get into it, but perhaps more traffic than the LA area. Do you want to just? Let's just fucking do. It. Let's just let's just rattle off DC, LA, fucking comparison. Do you want to do that real quick? Yes, I want to do that. Wait, hold Traffic. on. I'm I'm googling first of all, like what city has like what city has the worst traffic? It's all subjective. Tr- like truly, oh. I would rather I would like always rather drive in LA than DC. Always. Interesting. What you, do you, you want to guess? What the the most congested city is in america yeah in the u.s in the u.s i know that atlanta is really bad okay i know i think almost all major cities are really bad yeah but the the worst one lexington where's lexington kentucky yeah. No, it is Boston, Massachusetts, according to this article from oh, Business Oh, people Insider, do say that. People do Which say makes that. sense, because Boston's just very confusing to drive from as well. I mean, obviously, like, if I lived there, I would have a better yeah. handle on it. But guess what the second one is? It wasn't any of the ones that I said? It's D.C. <laughs> okay, thank you. Yeah, D.C. is awful. It's awful. Especially yeah. the actual, Hours like, lost city. in congestion per capita, 155. Cost of congestion per a driver. A year? Yeah, a year. Cost of congestion congestion Fuck. per driver two thousand one hundred sixty one. Total cost of congestion for city four point six billion. And yet, LA and LA they can't is, even invest in the metro. And then it's Chicago. And then it's New York City. The and then it's LA is, number five. So everyone, <laughs> so everyone off. Yeah, everyone who is like, ugh, the traffic when I move from DC to LA is a fucking 
Liar. It's not Or you worse. lived five minutes it's, wherever it's you're going. It's also extremely bad. But also, coronavirus. No one's driving right now. It hasn't been that bad. I drove all the way up the PCH and all the way back down the PCH, which is the Pacific Coast Highway. It's a highway that goes all along California up into Oregon, and it was fine. There was no yeah. traffic because no one's driving, which is great. Um, traffic, weather. Both very hot. DC way more humid. LA very cold at night. Who knew? Oh my gosh. Also, people from DC aren't constantly saying like, "Oh, but the it's a dry heat." Like that's just annoying. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it's yeah. not a dry heat, so um, it's, it's a very wet heat in DC. Very, very air moist. quality. <laughs> B- bad both places. Huh? Uh, air quality. Probably worse in LA. Yeah. It's. There's not so many code reds in LA as there are in DC. Oh, for a- for our yeah, all the pollen yeah. stuff and like the heat. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Um, in terms of like <laughs> skyline, they're probably both equally terrible for skyline. Yeah, like LA I feel like has a few more skyscrapers than DC does, but I but do, like I, the, I love I, the DC skyline. I love when yeah. you drive into dc and you can see the washington monument and the lincoln memorial and the national cathedral i think that's such a pretty in the the river yeah. potomac i think it's such a pretty view right yeah i mean it's all white very distinctive silence but like there yeah. but it's interesting like you can like with like new york there's like a bunch of different views i think you can have where you're like oh it's mm. all new york like for dc it's like oh i can see the washington monument the Capitol, and for la yeah. like, i can see the yeah. hollywood sign which is like that's how yeah, you'd be able the, to tell yeah. what city When you're, you're driving in. into downtown LA, it's like billboards and sort oh, of the Hollywood sign. Yeah, number of I billboards, would, LA definitely wins. Huge. Uh, what about, like, I think I, I love San Francisco's skyline and driving in San Francisco. There's so much water everywhere. Yeah. Okay. What about fakeness of people? Oh. Like, who's more status-oriented? More status-oriented? Yeah, I'm gonna say probably. fucking DC. Well, just the whole like that the classic DC thing thing. I'd be like, oh, where do you work? Being like the third, like the yeah. first question asked. I'm like, if you don't have a graduate degree, everyone's like, bummer. Yeah, I guess it depends like what circles you move in for like all of these things. But yeah, I would say probably you would know better because yeah. you lived in LA. But people are not. They don't care what school. I like most of my friends. I don't know. Oh yeah, I like education wise, definitely. Yeah, Instagram and like, followers probably different, but I well that's I haven't found that to be the case, but perhaps that's uh, that's good. I think yeah, we probably yeah we're getting to time over it. Um, yep. Well, yeah, this is way more enjoyable than I thought it would be going through all these books. So oh, I hope that everyone else enjoyed it too. And as Maria said earlier, you can email us bipolarbycoastal@gmail.com. You can reach out to us on Facebook, facebook.com slash bipolar by coastal. You can rate and leave a review on any podcast app that you're listening on. And when you guys do that, it makes it a lot easier for us to get guests and to get on other people's podcasts as well. Thanks to Mia Thoreau for the tile art for this show. Thanks to Hannah Dorfman for the theme music and to E.B. Davis for cover art on our Facebook page and the beautiful portrait set she made of us as well as for everyone who's shared the podcast on social media um who's commented who's engaged we really love that we really appreciate it so thanks everyone for listening goodbye bye
Hey y'all, it's Anna. So we are going to be taking the next two weeks off. Don't worry, we still have 16 episodes or now 17 episodes that you all can go back and listen to if you miss hearing the sounds of our beautiful voices. We are just doing this in order to give ourselves a little bit of a break as well as to prep for two episodes that we're very excited about. Our health insurance episode and our episode about interactions with the police as mentally ill people, how that intersects with race, and just talking about abolition as a concept when it comes to mental illness. We're very excited about these, but they are going to take some more time to get them right. In the meantime, again, you can listen back to our past 17 episodes and maybe check out some of the bipolar media that we referenced in this episode. So see y'all in two weeks. Check our Facebook page. I'm sure that I will be posting some stuff there as well. And yeah, have a, a lovely break, everyone.